Life is sweet when we understand the unmerited favor of God, His gracious love. That's only when we live in abundance. This is Sugar. everyone to this uh, space today. I'm grateful to have you joining us today. I am John Weganzo. I'm your host today for this particular panel discussion. I hail from Nyeri, Kenya, and I'm glad to have the likes of my panelists and every other guest who has joined us today for this riveting conversation about the identity of man in a world of cancel culture. I know this might be a pretty sensitive conversation and especially a topic to talk about considering that we actually live in a world that is deeply rooted on cancel culture, where people are always afraid to take offense or to do something, or to say something because of fear of whether people will actually take offense of it. Without first getting deeper to all this, I think it would be really important for us to start with a word of prayer so that we can actually start this conversation with the Father to guide us through the whole process. And also I'd like to notify you that this session is actually being recorded. So it can also be shared um, on Saturday, a repeat of this, be shared on Saturday on Next Radio, so that anybody who actually gets to miss this conversation can refer back and tune in to on air on our Next Radio. We'll share the link after the show to get to catch up on any some of the most important things that they heard discussed today. So first and foremost, let us Take a moment and pray. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've gathered us in your name. We appreciate the time and the space that you've given us, O oh Lord, to be able to exercise the gifts and the mandate that you've actually given us as men, to give the world answers, my Lord, to be the light that shineth even in the midst of darkness and in the midst of calamity and chaos, a light that gives and assures of truth as you go on through this world, which has a lot of deceptions that are flying within and without about the identity of who we are. Father, let us not speak of our own understanding. Let us speak of your guidance based on what you always lead us to do, to provide the answers that Father will shape and change the present and the future generations of men and the world for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, I do pray and I do give thanks. Amen and amen. Well, uh, thank you for those who are still coming in. As I said earlier on, my name is still John, hasn't changed yet. <laughs> and I'm glad that today I'm joined by some of my greatest friends who have already had conversations with them throughout uh, this show, Sugar Show, that we've been airing on Instagram every Friday and on Next Radio also at the same time from 6 to 7. First and foremost, I'd like to introduce to you my panelists. I'm not quite certain whether all of them are here. The people will be helping us make sense about this conversation to help the man identify who he ought to be in a world of cancel culture. And I'd like first to introduce Pastor Dennis C. Daje. Hope I'm pronouncing your word, your name correctly. If you don't mind, I'd like for you to kindly switch on your camera and your uh, microphone. Just say something to the team, say something to the world, and just say a little bit about yourself. Pastor Dennis, do you mind say something? Hey, it's a privilege. Hey. Uh, my name is Pastanis, it's Chris Stager, and you pronounce it very right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always worried that I might butcher some, <laughs> some names. 
<laughs> we Tanzanians are very simple names. <laughs> They're not so eclectic as we would expect and people are saying the Haji, you know, exotic <laughs> names. Thank you for joining in, Pastor Dennis. It's a pleasure to have very you well. here with us. All right. Great, great. And another person who is also part of the panel discussion today is Mr. Dennis Wapuka. Say what's up, Mr. Dennis. It's a pleasure to have you here. Say something to the people. <laughs> Thank you so much, John, for having me on this show. Uh, my name is Dennis Wapuka. Uh, you almost got it. <laughs> I thank God for that. <laughs> it's always a fear of mine. <laughs> Ah, great thank you thank you very much for joining in i think we are missing probably one of our panel panelists that is pastor uh, tony sparks i don't think he has actually joined yet but i'm hoping that as we carry on this conversation he will be able to join in i see also we have a guest with us that is Amos, Amos, thank you for joining this conversation. I'm hoping that the kind of conversation you're going to have is going to be of, of uh, effect and of help to you. And also I see there's only another person joining in the conversation and I'm pretty sure that this, this by the end of this conversation, something would have transformed in your mindset as perceptions as to how a man ought to behave, all right? Now, to start us off, I would like to, you know, just give a background of where this topic for this particular session started from. A couple of days ago, I had a conversation with a couple of friends of mine who visited my house. And the kind of conversation and the things that they shared from their personal experiences, they all were ridden or depending on how they experience being in a relationship or interacting with the male species. You know, I, I, I like referring to us as a male species because the term man in this time and age has been <clears throat> put into question, quote unquote, and that is what we really want to address these days, you know, and it got me wondering, because every time that you go on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, or any others, even on mass media, that is on TV, you realize that whenever someone tries to share something that is uh, contrary to what the general public believes in, they are always attacked heavily. And people tend to say a lot of things about their identity, trying to uh, demean them, trying to make sure that their image is actually destroyed, that they can never show themselves or their faces to the world. And this is what I'm calling the cancel culture, because when they do that to you, they term it as you are being cancelled. You cannot your voice doesn't mean anything. Your uh, voice has no influence anymore just because the society or the community has actually cancelled you because you've said something of the contrary to what is generally accepted. And also another conversation that the thing that actually brought the inspiration to have this conversation is that I, a while back is that a man, <clears throat> so Cole Ravi Zacharias, gave this example of how the world has changed since the time of uh, the Great Revival to this instant, what you call the modern age of globalization. He said that back in the days, if you, had a panel, if you had a panel discussion and invited a scientist, uh, a philosopher, and a preacher, 
you would realize that the person who would be held with high regard that the opinion actually mattered most was a preacher. They would actually regard what they said as important, as valuable. As time went on, they realized that if that conversation was to happen today, that the tables would actually turn. They will realize that they will consider the scientist and the philosopher to have more insight or to have more influence in their words than the preacher. It mean, that means there's something has happened in between there that has shaped and transformed how people perceive what a person with a particular identity has to say that is accorded to their words. And this is what we'd like to identify when it comes to the modern man. And this I say it with a lot of um, reservation, we say modern man, because there's a lot of abuse of the word. How does he fit in, in this world where people are always, always on the edge, looking, be, minding whatever they say so that they don't make people get offended by going to contrary to what is actually socially accepted in order to still keep within the good books of the community, of the members of the society. Yet I remember we are called <laughs> to call what it is. If it is darkness, you call it darkness. If it is light, you call it light. And to start us off, I'd like first to give like the general definition of what, uh, uh, what you call it, Miriam Webster, the dictionary definition of what cancel culture is, is to at least give you our listener an idea of what we will be exploring before I can invite our panel guests to actually speak something about this conversation. So Miriam Webster, or the people who are there, is that, <clears throat> is, <coughs> sorry about that, it is something where, <coughs> sorry, uh, for those who are aware, cancel culture refers to the mass withdrawal of support from the public, either by public figures or celebrities who have done things that are not socially accepted today. This practice of canceling or mass shaming often occurs on social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. And interestingly enough, the world we're living in is so much shaped by social media that it's becoming a little bit difficult to differentiate what is actually influenced by real life and what is actually influenced but what is on social media. Which brings me to the question, since you've identified that cancel culture is where people are canceled or mass shamed because they do not agree to the socially accepted behavior and norms. My question to uh, Pastor Dennis and uh, Mr. Dennis would be, what, <clears throat> sorry, what, who or what do you think actually defines who defines the, in the modern world what is socially acceptable, be it behavior or conduct? In your view, in your opinion, who defines that? Either Pastor Dennis or Mr. Dennis can actually respond to that. So let, let me start a bit from what you've just said. Uh, there's a, when you were speaking, there's a statement you said that uh, you say that a modern man, how can he fit in the society that has a council culture uh if we talk about the modern man uh, in in regard to the society the modern man already fits to that <laughs> to that category <laughs> now if we talk about the man 
created by God, the man that follows after God's own art, that kind of man will never fit into that kind of society. But now how can we live in regard to the society? Mm -hmm. uh, basically, I believe that we as people created in God's image are created to shine light to the society that is lost, bring solutions to the society lost. And sometimes solutions will never be accepted. They might be understood, but those solutions are what God has called us to give and if we remain faithful and standing to them, uh, we will make a change. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at history as proven that those who have stood firm and believed in the things that God has given them, whether they are scientists or preachers or the economists or the politicians, whatever walks of life they are from, but they have stood the test, their voices have echoed through centuries, through millennium, through decades. So I believe that uh, for us to be able to fit in a society that has cancel culture, I believe we just have to adapt with them. But if we are called to leave a man that are called by God, created in his image, then we should just be sticking with God. And at the end of the, of the subject, at the conclusion of matter, it will be known that uh we were right mm -hmm. so uh, basically that now back to your question uh can you come again with your question please yeah the question since we identify that cancer culture is mostly based on socially accepted behavior by the general community you know so the question is who actually defines what uh, what is actually socially acceptable first starting by for the modern man because by your responsive created a clear distinction between the modern man and a godly man, you know? So for the modern man, who, who or what actually defines what is socially acceptable for him? Now, again, the modern man, who defines? Mm -hmm. In my regard, I believe that every man, and, and we are talking here about a male man, mm -hmm. biologically formed male man. Yes. Because uh, the terminology of a man can be vague in the in this modern world. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, bringing in who defines, who has the responsibility to define? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Number one, as a pastor, I my answers will be centered on the Bible mm -hmm. and the word of God. Mm -hmm. So who has the authority to define a man? I'll bring you an example. Who has authority to define what an iPhone can do and what he can't do? It's only the maker of an iPhone that can define what an iPhone can do and what an iPhone shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. So uh, by that, it's only God who can help us define what we should do and what we should be and how should we be. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, it's only God who can allow us to define that. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, if all men centered their lives on God and... Uh, grab their definition from God. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, uh, let's create man in our own image. So we are a replica of who God is. We carry his, his attributes. We carry his characteristics. And for us to live as men, as true men, 
we have to focus on who God is and look at his attributes and live the way he would live on, in, on this earth. Uh, secondly, how can, who can help us define further? So we understand that we are not the first man ever lived on earth. <laughs> we have millions and millions of men have passed before us. So how do we, how did we get to this point where we have, uh, we can, we live the way we live? Uh, we got to this point because uh, we looked at our fathers, we looked at our brothers, we looked at our uncles, we looked at every other person, and those people told us and helped us we to to shape to shape shape the way we we do the way we do things mm -hmm. so uh uh so for the second part god has to define it the secondly it is the work of each and every one of us as men to help define that this is how a man should be and the next generation will pick it up from there uh, another another an, another clear definition another clear definition mm -hmm. is is that how do we learn language i'm a luo mm -hmm. i learned luo through association <laughs> <laughs> that's how i learned to define bear and and the rest of other words mm -hmm. how did i know this means this it's because i learned it from people who walked the same walk the Bible says iron sharp and iron. So it is the responsibility of every man to define that in regards not to themselves, but in regards to God. That everyone should focus on God's characteristics and attributes. And when you take that into your life and other people see it, other people look at you the way you do, then they say, oh, that, that guy is a real man because he walks like the real man, God mm -hmm. who created. So I believe with those we can easily look who defines first of all god defines second mm -hmm. of all each man biologically male formed man defines the way they should live mm -hmm. as as men mm -hmm. yeah thank you thank you for sharing some very important inputs in this and um there's something i'm actually borrowing from your conversation about how we keep emphasizing the male born man you know, this kind of conversation, I'm pretty sure maybe like five to 10, 15 years ago, we wouldn't have a problem when we are actually addressing <laughs> a man. You say you already knew who a man is. But because of some things that happen in between that redefine the perception of man, we have to be very careful of who are we addressing as like a male man because as as the things that are actually expressing how we perceive things because uh, i like the way you say that how we actually learn and identify who we are to our attributes as a man is first by uh, looking for looking up to god to see his identity to know who he is the attributes that he has and how he would live here and also you say that the second part is our uncles our family actually influences how we define who a man is and you if you've noticed that in modern societies that responsibility has shifted from family members to actually celebrities who actually are 
uh, what you consider are figures who we want to emulate how they identify as a man. I think in my opinion, it would feel that they in their own capacity have how they're influencing the identity of this particular generation, how they ought to define their person, of which there's something I'd like to go back to that. But before we get to that, I'm putting it as a alama dukuduku <laughs> so that we can wow, refer wow. back to it. Um, uh, Mr. Dennis Wapuka, would you mind uh, adding your input to this kind of conversation because it's getting hot nabado. <laughs> uh, for sure, for sure. Thank you so much. Pastor Dennis, thank you for, for what you've uh, started us off. Uh, what I will add is uh, sometimes when, I, when I'm in class and we're defining the concept of uh, moral ethics, mm -hmm. I hope I'm clear. Yes, the yes. The concept of moral ethics, uh, I always ask, we, there's a, a place where we ask, where do you get our moral values? Mm -hmm. So that is the same question we are asking. Number one, what um, the man of God has defined uh, coming from, from God, which uh, means from, from, from the church and from that kind of um, religion. He has also spoken about the community, which is very key. Mm -hmm. But nowadays we, we have um, social media coming in as another way that uh, culture is being defined. Mm -hmm. uh, we are having careers are also defining uh, values, what is and what is not. For instance, if you are a lawyer, there, there are things that as a lawyer you are not supposed to do, and there are things that you are supposed to do as a lawyer. So there is a way in which it defines what you, your, your moral compass or, or the way you behave society in a particular way. So um, there are so many ways in which we are, we are being defined. If you are in a, in a country like Kenya, there, there are things that Kenyans will say, we as Kenyans, this is what, what we do, this is what we are, and this is how we define a man is, and this is how we define a woman is. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there is a, there is, there is a all sets of, um, of, of uh, subjects that come in. It only depends on what are you zooming into uh, to, to have the main concept of what a man is and what a man does in a particular society. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for adding that one, especially when, where culture and uh, diversity comes in, how we perceive things, how our cultures defined. This is how Kenyans, we say, this is how a man should behave when you go to another country. This is how a man should behave and conduct himself, which brings me this conversation because I'm, 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 I'm working within some circles in the NGO world where they are working towards having what you call a global village, where there's cross-cultural exchanges of views, ideas, and perceptions. And in this, in my perception that this has actually influenced a lot as to how we relate with each other as people and as to how we communicate and uh, uh, we communicate our identity because identity is actually communicated in, in, in my opinion, because you don't just stand there and that's like, yeah, that is a man. Sometimes you might just say, hey, as uh, Pastor Desi say, I'm a male man. It's, no, it's not about, I am, uh, as you say, a transgender or something like that. As you can see, there's a lot of definitions that are brought, been brought by the uh, evolution of things and going back to the contradict uh, to the differences between a modern man and a godly man and where they find their uh, perceptions on what is socially acceptable there's there's something that came to my mind because a godly man identifies his identity from God and knows the attributes on how he ought to behave and relate with others from God and then you realize that this man is positioned in a world 
where majority of the men, and, uh, and I do stand to be corrected on this one, have no relationship with the God where they can actually draw this particular perception. So you find there's quite a lot of toxicity that is actually flowing within that is challenging the very identity of this man. Because there's this phrase that I heard uh, from a particular sermon I was reading. It says, um, Imo. Uh, in, uh, in, uh, immorality, <clears throat> sorry, it's impiety precedes immorality. Impiety meaning that is the lack of godlessness that comes before the idea of immorality comes in. Because what really defines morality for the for the godly man is actually the what they find as God has defined as the parameters for them. And you find in the modern world, most people would rather consider consider what their peers tell them on what they ought to behave like other than what is actually defined in the scripture. Because they find, yes, if this person marriage is working or if this person relationship is working, so I can just talk to them. Or in some instances they find, I'd rather go to a therapist rather than go to a man of God to ask them, hey, would you mind helping me because I'm conflicted and as to how I should treat my partner or how I should treat the people around me. That means a man is actually, if I, if I dare to say this, the modern man, if he's not connected to God is actually self-confused because they are not aware that whatever whatever they will wish to communicate their identity as, because your identity rides your opinions, perceptions, and what you are, your belief system, they are always afraid to cause offense to the people around them because they still want to fit in. And if I, if I can go back to the scripture, and there's this particular verse it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be thou transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this, there's a phrase that actually came to mind as I was preparing this, uh, this for, for this particular conversation. And I wrote it down because I, I thought it was pretty powerful. It says, truth to a conformed church is painful and in most instances offensive. To the world, it's an opinion that one is entitled to. And I can repeat that. Truth to a conformed church is painful and in most instances offensive. But when I say a conformed church is one that has actually tried to fit into the systems of the world in order to get popularity. And that is why you're seeing so many of uh, these bands that rise, they think they're actually being shaken because they've sought mostly popularity rather than actually transforming the world by what they're actually sharing. And to the world, having that truth to them is an opinion because there's this conversation like that is your truth and i know that is really very a scary thing to actually that that is your truth this is my truth and we're to, to know that truth is infallible truth is not relative truth is truth whether you choose to accept it or not and here we are trying to let the man from uh, the modern man to actually be aware of what the scriptures actually say who he is because not unless a man identifies who he is, he cannot be able to fulfill the mandate that he is actually be put on this world to be in or to fulfill in the process, right? Because um, truth, I have, I have had this conversation with a couple of friends where they actually say, these are people who actually not believe it. Sometimes you have really intense conversations and usually say that truth is painful. Truth is never sweet. <laughs> and ask them, why do you say that truth is never, never sweet? Because it is challenging you to think, rethink what you had accepted as normal. 
and you don't want to change the norm because you are comfortable in it and truth is actually challenging that and let's now let's come back to the man itself what does the word say that a man is that his identity is i think it will be important for us to actually list them down based on scriptures like this is who a man ought to be this is who a man is and putting into consideration that this man needs to find a way to actually work in this system of the world to transform it and not be in a position where they will conform holistically and be afraid to share the truth because honestly fear is making you not to share the truth well how will we tell the world that darkness is actually in existence there's light that exists so my question would be <clears throat> who how um how does a man what does the bible say about the identity of a man if you can just give it in simpler terms what is the identity of a man scriptural wise how how ought he be to be in this particular sense either uh, mr dennis or pastor dennis can choose to take up this uh, question and actually answer for us because we can explore this. Sure, wise. Uh, let's. I love Genesis, so let me begin with that. You'll have to excuse me, John, and everybody else here. Uh, I'm heading to another meeting, uh, so for ministry. So I, I could only do this in the car. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> so. So, so the, the scripture-wise, I love Genesis because it is the beginning of existence for all and uh, whole humanity. So anything that starts from Genesis shows you an identity. In Genesis uh, chapter 1, God created man and he said, let him work, right? Let him work, uh, take care of the garden, manage it, do all that he needs. And let him have our, our image, let him take dominion. Uh, so, uh, when God creates man, one of the attributes that He places for man, for man, is is the attribute of leadership. Uh, now, if a man sees every man is naturally born a leader, so if you're born a male man, you're born to be a leader. You're born to either lead your family, to either lead your society, lead your organization. Uh, or just lead your life, but you're born to be a leader. And every leader, at 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 the core of it, there is uh, there is every leader is a foundation for something, and every leader is the covering of something. That is why when you when you see leadership, you see them they derive power from leadership. Every president, all the subordinates derive power from leadership, they derive vision from the leader, they derive their way of doing things from the leader. And if 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 that is the attribute of, of a man, then you have to understand that every man should not be fearing because leadership does not have fear. The Bible says now, we have not received the spirit of fear, but the spirit of what? Of power and soundness of mind. And soundness of mind comes from a leader, a leader who does not have soundness of mind, uh, is 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 a leader that will not be able to lead. So from the beginning, God created man to have an attribute of leadership. So the male man is called to lead, and to lead who? Not only the female man, but also every other thing in life. And when you lead, you do not lead by taking care of every other thing. 
by by bulldozing and beating every other thing. Uh, in Psalms 23, uh, the Bible says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. So the attribute of a shepherd is the attribute of one who takes care of the sheep, make sure their sheep in good condition, make sure their sheep have their of their food supply. The sheep does not know the green pastures. It is the work of the shepherd to find the green pastures. So if you see uh, the work of a, of a man is to find resources and to reallocate those resources and to make sure those resources are used for the benefit of everyone they're leading. If they fail to do that, then they are failing to walk in the attributes of God. So a man is a leader by birth, not by choice, not by form, not he's a leader by birth. You have the spirit of leadership in you. You're called to be a leader just because you're born a male man. Mm -hmm. So number so you're called to take care. You take care in Genesis that he, God created man so that he takes care of the garden of Eden. And so for that reason. He had to take care. That is why even Jesus came on earth and he said he was a good shepherd. He takes care of all of us, you know. Mm -hmm. We are his sheep. We hear his voice and we, we know it. Why? Because he is the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. So for every man, number two has to be a good shepherd. That is the attribute of, 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 a, of, of a man. He has to take care of the rest. That is why you see male boys, if you ever see see uh, a family where the mother is a single parent mm -hmm. and the, the, boy is, the boy will say mommy I'll take care mommy I'll be there for you mommy I'll, even boys will tell you mommy I'll buy you a good car daddy I'll buy you this I'll buy you that why <laughs> because by nature a male man is formed to take care of others and be able to provide for others we, we I told you in the beginning that the, the male man carries has to carry the attributes of God. And one of God's attributes, we call him Jehovah Jireh, just because he is the provider, you know? So being able to carry the attributes of, 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 of a provider is the work of the male man. And that's the, that male man is created to be a provider. So you take care of others, you provide for others, you show leadership for others. And in the process of taking care for others, you have to have the other things like empathy, sympathy, and all these other uh, qualities of a good leader that you need to have, you know, uh, with all that. Now, I'm speaking to somebody who already has, has a, a sense of godliness or fears God. Because let me tell you something. Godliness is not a form of religion. Godliness is being godlike. And when you are godlike, you carry the attributes of God, you know? So that doesn't mean you are this religion or that religion. You just mean you are you're godlike, you know? That means you're godly. That's why the Bible says they have a sense of godliness, but they deny its power. It mm -hmm. has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with you. You're doing anything. It's just you are being godly. You're being mm -hmm. godlike, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you might not have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but you've got a character that tells you you're godlike, you're good, you go to church, you do you do the good things that people want to associate with God. So every man is called to be godly and carrying God attributes of godliness in them. Take care of your family, take care of your life, be responsible, be accountable. You know, uh, I like 
what Jesus did at the final prayer in the book of John. He says, God, I give account to everyone, even the son of perdition. Mm -hmm. He even gave an account of Judas. That's mm -hmm. being accountable. Jesus was accountable to his father and telling him all that you've given me, all the disciples you gave me, I, 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 have, I have told them well, and I, they have not perished except for Judas. So it is important for us to carry these qualities from God. I think I should let uh, the rest of my, uh, the rest of the others to share on this. Thank you very much, John, once again. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Nice, for sharing that, uh, that beautiful list of uh, attributes that a man who ought to be like an attribute. I know I would want to respond a few on, on a couple of that, but I'd like to invite Mr. Dennis. I'd like to, to add something to what this conversation. This is your moment to bring in your points and inspire us. <laughs> Thank you so much. It is so difficult to speak after the man of God has spoken. <laughs> uh, but I, <laughs> because I, it seems like uh, he has spoken all, all of the points. Um, of course, I like to go back to where he has pointed out mm -hmm. uh, on, 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 on Genesis, uh, the origin and the root of everything where man was created. And I think there are like uh, four, uh, the several commands that he was given. He was told, be fruitful, multiply, re replenish the earth and have dominion. Mm -hmm. So those are the four aspects that uh, we are looking at. Man of God has looked at some of these aspects. And um, I was looking at the, the concept of uh, replen replenish the, the earth. What does it mean? Uh, perhaps we may, we may have a clear picture of what it means to be fruitful, maybe. What is it? Does it mean to multiply? What does it mean to have dominion? So those, these are the responsibilities God has given to a man mm -hmm. uh, from, the, from the onset. Now, uh, to be fruitful, it means that a man, um, there is a seed that a man has. Let me turn off my, my, my video. It's all right. Strong, okay. There is a response. Uh, there's, a, there's a responsibility that a man has. Um, there is a seed that God has given to a man. Within a man, there is a seed. So he's telling him, become fruitful. Um, do something, innovate. And once you innovate, you, you, you multiply on your innovation. You, you, uh, you have one item coming out. Then this one item, you multiply it into two, three, four, five. Then from there, you, <laughs> you, you replenish or you subdue. Uh, it means that you have, it is, I, I can use an example of, uh, of a manufacturing. So if you discover that I can make a seat out of a, of a, of a tree or a table, uh, you make one, one table, mm -hmm. then you make two, then you multiply three, then you, you <laughs> supply to the entire market. Mm -hmm. Once you do that, it, it means you have subdued the earth, and then you dominate. Dominate it means that when I go to this market, I find this, oh, this is where you're going to uh, sit. Uh, this, when I go here, yeah, when I'm, I'm in this country, uh, I just say, oh, this is where you're going to sit. So it, I, I, it is by automatic that you have dominated the entire uh, market for, for the table. So mm -hmm. those are the, some of the responsibilities that a man has been given to, mm -hmm. uh, to be in a, to, to a person to be fruitful, to be in a person to multiply what they have, to be in a position to, to, to grow it to a level that it becomes 
uh, it dominates. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, so. Those 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 are the responsibilities that we've been given as as man. As a man, you have a responsibility to see that there is a vision that God has given unto you. There is a purpose that you have, which mm -hmm. God wants you to to have, to bring it out clearly. Focus on it and then bring it out clearly until we see it out uh, that if, if I'm looking for the good mechanic, they'll just point to me, oh, that is the best mechanic we have in this town. Or if I'm looking for a, a person to for haircut, for example, like, uh, there's a place you can go. There is a very good uh, guy who does this and he has a chain of these things. So you, whatever is in you is deposited in you by God, uh, comes out in that way and it, it replenishes. It subdues, then you dominate the market so that you are the only guy people refer to. It does not matter the price, does not matter. It is you, they are looking for everywhere. If it is Pastor, Pastor Dennis, who is, you see now he's going for a mission. They are looking for this guy. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I thank God for that. So over to you, man of God. That is my, that is my concept of what is man and what is the, the, the role of man. What is, what is the initial role of man uh, to be? Thank you so Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Dennis, for sharing on this one and also Pastor Dennis. Um, this, this conversation has actually opened my eyes to see things in a, in a, in a new light, especially on the attributes of a man and who he ought to emulate. Because when a, a boy is actually born, a baby boy is born, born into this world, they actually have a clean slate where they actually ought, they are just absorbing what they're actually observing around them and what they take in, they assume as to be the socially acceptable norm. And uh, Referring back to the idea of leaders are not ought they ought not to be afraid fear ought not to be found in them and this is uh, linking back to the conversation about today about cancel culture uh, my research has actually settled that cancel culture gets its strength solely on offense and this is usually where people really tread so lightly that they don't want to offend someone by saying something that either is contrary to their belief, contrary to what they believe as truth. And a person, a man who is actually a leader, they are always, always looked upon. Just people are just waiting for them to just flop and say something out of line other than what is passed by either the entities of the world that people do draw their definition and identities from uh, a very good example is maybe the united nations and uh, all these other entities the ngos that actually define what a person ought to do and how to behave and if let's say for example a man of god dares to stand in the pulpit and say something in the contrary to what the world perceives as normal well, we all know that will make headline in the news and people who are not yet grounded and rooted in the word of God will start walking as like, hey, no, mchungaji, I... And to realize is because this person dared to stand as a leader, as a person given the mandate, you know, of uh, caring and tending to the sheep and also calling people from darkness into the light. By then to speak the truth, they get actually cancelled for the lack of a better word. Going back to those particular I, I pointers that you had actually shared, and I would like to refer it back to something Pastor Dennis shared, that a man who draws his attention from God needs to learn how who God is and his attributes as he would live 
on this earth. And I believe we have a perfect reference point on how God would actually live on this earth in the, in the form of man, and that is Jesus Christ, who in most instances is considered a perfect man. And in this essence, something that I learned about him is, is the like cancel culture. It didn't start now. It was present in the time of Christ because the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the other people who are in authority there were always offended by the words he was actually speaking and they always tried to try to find a way to disregard Christ from the masses, to public shame him. For, for lack of a better word. And I like the kind of emulation, the kind of way he responded to such kind of um, accusation and such kind of ways. He was not afraid to actually tell the truth and call the people in the, out of their hypocrisy and let them know, hey, you say A, B, C, and D without fear of actually being persecuted and fear of actually being shunned by the society because he knew his mandate, his purpose. And uh, this draws me back to what uh, most uh, had uh, he or most women say, especially when they go through the hands of a person, a male man who takes them through what you call <clears throat> university of understanding or character development, they start saying that, hey, see, all men are evil. And then I start wondering, why would a person say that? And I'm reminded of a certain definition a certain minister of God gave about evil. And the definition they gave, and I, like, I love using this for this particular concept or precept, it says evil in the simplest form to define it is actually violation of purpose. So this particular man that they're saying is was actually violating the initial purpose he was given as a man. So he's not yet aware of the purpose and how he ought to fulfill it in this modern world. And you find people actually working against either either even relating with men. And I believe that the enemy is working so hard to corrupt the very identity and the very purpose a man was given by bombarding them with a lot of voices that are telling him this is how you ought to behave in a man. You are subdued and not the subduer. You are dominated rather than the, dom the one who is having dominion. And you also tend to see that they also corrupted the part of the have dominion over there by saying that a man ought to dominate even the woman and the wife he actually has at home and becomes now violent. And then you realize there's that corruption of the identity of the understanding of what this means. And I love how you say that this person ought to draw reference to the perfect man, to the person who actually set a stand on how we actually carry ourselves, you know, uh, to take care, to be mindful, to be accountable, to be caring and to roll out the things as is the mandate of God. And referring back to Genesis, you know, where they say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if there's a line that actually stands out for me is that God created man in his image and likeness. So the initial purpose on the very initial identity of man was in the likeness of God. So his very nature and identity ought to be, as you said, God-like, to be behaving how his manufacturer actually started it all. And yet we find that many of them are afraid to offend the masses, are afraid to execute the very purpose and the nature that they have. Because even where they would like to seek counsel or where they would like to seek guidance is conformed already to this nature where they're also afraid to get to that. And this is a call to all men under our voices that to know the perfect man who at, or whose attributes we ought to emulate and look 
uh, up to to actually define how we ought to be a voice fearless even in the midst of opposition and having varied uh, views according to what people deem socially acceptable but they still he still stood with the truth because he is truth he is a truth and standing by it means you'll get shunned question is are you willing to stand out as the male man who is godly and defined by god or are you willing to conform to the world and be defined as a modern man with a sense of religion and denying the uh, de having a sense of godliness and denying the power therein and all that my last uh, because i see that time has very much progressed and i know it only lasts for one hour i'd like to have to invite uh, pastor dennis and mr dennis to actually is there any advice out there that you would like to give uh, to the men out there who are still trying to figure out how to maneuver this world and how to actually take up the position and to fulfill the purposes they have they still not yet identify that yes they believe they are believers and they're still feeling that there's a fear within that needs to be driven out what kind of advice would you have for the male man in this times and time i would uh Tell every man to believe in Jesus Christ. Find him uh, and find him with all your heart. Because let me base on fitting with the social culture of every. There's a tribe in Brazil, they are men eaters. They eat flesh. So if you go there, you will want to fit to their culture and their society. So you'll have to eat people's flesh, human mm -hmm. being flesh. Mm -hmm. uh, there are people who do who practice witchcraft. There are people who are lesbians. There are people who are homosexual. There are people who do variety of things for their own. They are soccer players. They are basketball players. So in every community, there is a way of life. They're formed for them. But the principal thing, the principal thing is the way of God. That is eternal. All the other culture, all the other societies will pass away. The principle of God will remain. If you're a man, you will not beat your wife. You will not beat your children in a way that will, uh, will be uh, violent. If you're a man, you'll take care of yourself. You'll not commit yourself to drug abuse. You'll not commit yourself to any other. Uh, if you're a man, you will you will honor God and fear him and do the best you can. If you're a man, you'll be creative, innovative. You'll love development. You'll love blessing people. Corruption will not be in your sphere. If you're a man, you'll stand true to the word of God and live holy in your life. Uh, out of that, you will just exist as the culture desires. And culture of this world is the systems of this world and they will always drive you. And they are changing. They are changing. They are changing every single day. What only remains is the word of God that is yesterday, today, and forever. It has not changed. Mm -hmm. So better focus at it than live according to it. And then you will live your life as a real man. God mm -hmm. bless you, everybody. It was a short time. I believe we'll do this again and again. So God bless you. Uh, and thank you very much for allowing me to be here. Pastor Dennis, uh, Wapuka, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't, don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> We're the same bot. <laughs> so, thank you. Thank you. My namesake. You know, my namesake has done a good job as well. God bless you, everybody. Have a lovely night. Let me step into another service right here.
Thank you very much, Pastor Dennis, for gracing us with your words and inspiration. May God bless you and all the best in all the spaces that you're actually going to converse. May God be with you through it all. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you very much. God bless you. All right. Mr. Dennis, what's the word, the advice for fellow men in the world? Uh, I'll not add on what the man of God has said. Um, indeed, uh, find Christ. You'll find your identity. Find Christ and your identity is in Christ. Uh, your mind will be renewed with uh, the mind of Christ. And that is it. That is it. In fact, um, if I have to add, I'll say that one has been given a lot that you don't have to fight for a space. Mm -hmm. If you are somewhere and uh, people are struggling to do something, the, the women go there, they will say, but there is a man here. Why can't he fix us this bulb? But doing here, so the, um, has, has has a lot of space, uh, places to express. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to have a place where we, we rest in, in Christ, having mm -hmm. the knowledge of Christ, knowing who we are, mm -hmm. and we will know what is our identity. That mm -hmm. is it. That is it. Great, yes, great, yes. great. Thank you very much for sharing with us the insights today. And as always, I would like to invite you, Mr. Dez, to kindly close with a word of prayer for us and pray for and pray for every man out there so that at least we are able to salvage the generations that are to come. Would you kindly do that for us, Mr. Dennis? All right. Thank you so much, man of God. Uh, Father Lord, we thank you for this time that you've given to us uh, to share this word, uh, to indulge and to have an understanding of the purpose of man in this current culture and what man is ought to do. Uh, we have so many trends, we have so many currencies that are coming up in, in the world. And um, they're they they sweeping men. Um, they are in a crisis where they have to identify themselves. Um, but thank you because indeed you've founded us in you. you have given us your word you've given us your spirit oh god and my king of god we think that every any man who's listening to us today and is in a crisis of identifying themselves of knowing what to do what to say and how to go about it god that your light flights like that your your light god floods into their mind oh god and guides them and directs them oh god you are the god it is it is it is it is a lamp unto our feet oh god let it guide us. Let it, my father guide them in the name of our Jesus. Father, we thank you that God, there are more spaces that men are going to, to have to have. There are more minutes you are raising where men will be told of their true identity, where the church will not be looking to conform the patterns of the world, but will conform the pattern of the word of God renewed and be transformed by the word of God. Father, we thank you for this platform. We thank you for the man of God and the, the co-host, my father, and the entire show. My, we thank you, God, for the great work you're doing. Father, you are very word. But this, according to my father, is not just for today, not, not just for tomorrow. It shall be for generations to come, oh God, when they will tune in and they will listen to our voices, God. They will find all of their answers the answers my father they shall be answered and they will give you all the glory and honor in jesus mighty name we have prayed and believed 
Amen and amen. Thank you, thank you very much for having this this uh, us today and listening to us. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Amos, for being with us throughout the whole process. Uh, we wish you a lovely and blessed night. As we will also repeat this conversation on next radio on Saturday, in case you want to refer back to this conversation. Good night and God bless you all. You can live at your leisure. Bye bye.